Yeah. 
After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. פשוט לשמוח, להתחבל למה שטוב, למה שיש, לצעוק בקול גדול, אסור להתייאש. הקצב מנהגים מרים לי את הלב, רוצה לקול חזק, בכל הכוח. אני רוצה לעוף לצעוק ולבקש, מזכיר לי שאומרים שבי בוערת אש, בי בוערת אש. בואו נרקוד.
There we go. JM in the AM. It helps if you turn on the microphone. JM in the AM, Wednesday morning with the uh, amazing Mordechai Shapiro that's called Machar. Before that, Lee, both off of the CD entitled Machar. You'd think it was a two for Tuesday on this Wednesday, the way we're playing two in a row. We had two in a row from eighth day, one of a kind, and Rock Smachot. You heard Shlomo Katz with Hazorim. Help me, Rambam with Schlockrock. Michal Przansky, brand new with Bo near Code, and of course, Regesh. Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. JM in the AM. Oh, I wonder if there was a uh, comment on the app about that, that we did two in a row. Anybody note that this morning? <laughs> yes, JM from Teaneck uh, acknowledges the fact that uh, Eighth Day was rocking there in the middle of that set. Uh, Wednesday morning on this November the 22nd. Happy birthday, Yonina Siegel. You think she's tuned in? You think she's tuned in from thousands of miles away? Maybe. Happy birthday, Yonina Siegel. Born on 1122, November the 22nd. Happy birthday from uh, your family, your friends, and from all of us here at JM in the AM. I wish I could spend the uh, day with you celebrating that, I could tell you. Um, but Yonina's a few miles away, so we'll have to wait till. Uh, so we reunite for a little bit of a birthday celebration. Uh, so it is Wednesday, November the 22nd, the 4th of Kislev, the brand new year, quote-unquote, 5778, Tavshinai and Ches. 54 degrees, morning rain here in New York with a high of 55. Tonight, clear, low 33. Whoa. Mostly sunny for tomorrow with a high temperature of 46. Right now, 53 in Yerushalayim. What's going on in Israel? They have no, They have real November temperatures there, I see. Uh, 53 in Yerushalayim, 54 here in uh, New York City as we wake up to JM in the AM. Hey, congratulations to the Yeshiva University Maccabees. We were there last night. We were there last night for their big victory, a Skyline Conference victory at the Max Stern Athletic Center. Big shout-out to Avi Lauer, who made sure to visit during the game. Thank you, Avi. A big shout-out to Janet and Lior Hode. It was a uh, a delight sitting near them during the game and watching all the nachas from uh, Tyler, Justin, and, of course, the entire team. Um, so a big shout-out to the Hodes. Um, yeah, a lot of good people there last night. It was a lot of fun, and the team played great. And a special shout-out to Coach Elliot Steinmetz. And all the players on the uh, Yeshiva University Maccabees. They're off to a good start. They're 2-1. and one. Yes, I consider that a good start, to say the least. Keep on going, guys. Keep on going. Um, trying to see here. The single Chevra's pre-Thanksgiving dinner party happens tonight starting at 8 p.m. at the Sisu Simchu Catering Hall on 18th Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. It'll be an atmosphere uh, for people to meet other singles uh, to reserve. It's single Chevra, no H at the end, single Chevra. At yahoo.com, single chevra at yahoo.com. It's a full course sit down dinner, uh, musical entertainment. It's a pre Thanksgiving, a pre Thanksgiving uh, get together with singles in mind. Again, it's happening at Sisu Vasimchu 
Catering Hall on 18th Avenue in Brooklyn starting at 8 p.m. tonight, so check that out. Want to wish a Mazel Tov. Um, Shifra Cohen and um, Marshall Grobis. I hope I did I pronounce that properly? I hope so. They are getting married tonight. We take this opportunity to wish a very special Mazel Tov to the extended uh, Cohen, Sinensky, and Grobus families from all of us here at the JM and the AM. We are looking to celebrate and getting ready to celebrate the big occasion tonight. So Mazal Tov from all of us here at the JM and the AM. That is a uh, an event all of us have been looking forward to. Can't wait to get there tonight and celebrate with the Shifi and Marshall. Mazal Tov. Wednesday morning at 24 minutes before 7 o'clock. Oh, Gabe Geller is supposed to stop by today. We're supposed to talk about kosher wines for Thanksgiving and Hanukkah. So hopefully he'll be here in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Rena Emerson is supposed to stop by. New York NCSY. whole bunch of stuff going on today as we uh, get set for uh, Thanksgiving. Tomorrow, we are here between 6 and 9. Yeah, we'll be here between 6 and 9 tomorrow. Alert your friends and anybody listening outside the United States for sure. Tune in. Why wouldn't you tune in? Those in the U.S., maybe they're sleeping a drop late so they won't be listening live. They'll listen later on the archive. But everybody else, come on. Our regular meeting place right here at the Nahum Siegel Network every single Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. until 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And I thank you for tuning in. Yesterday, Amram Adar joined us. This is one of the selections on the brand new album at JM in the AM. Oh 
בשלום, עטרת בעלה, גם ברינה, ובצעו לה.
J.M. in the A.M. That's Lipa with Bue Bue. Before that, Lipa had Ben Fega, both off of B Positive. Kosher Halftime Show 2017 with Hafachta. Here we're going into a big football Thursday tomorrow, so I figured do some Kosher Halftime memories. Uh, that was one with Aryeh Kunstler and company, Hafachta. Uh, Amram Adar, he was with us yesterday. You heard Bowie Kala and uh, Rokdim Halila, both off Einod Milvado. Great album. Really great album, and... Um, I thank you for joining us yesterday here at JM and the AM. It's Wednesday and this November the 22nd. Happy birthday, Onina Siegel, 4th of Kislev, 54 degrees. Morning rain, high temperature of 55. And tonight, clear skies, a low 33. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high 46. We're here tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day. Make sure to be tuned in. Yeah, you don't want to miss it. Never know what might happen here on a Thanksgiving Day, but I guarantee you don't want to miss it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Big thank you to our friends at OnlySimplas.com. They continue to um, utilize a lot of our content in their news feed, which is way beyond Simcha News. The Simcha News is amazing and wonderful and great to uh, to read about and celebrate, but they've got other news as well from around the Jewish world. Check it out today, OnlySimplas.com, OnlySimplas.com. A reminder that our friends at Bedford-on-Park are open tomorrow for Thanksgiving. Get your reservations in. Bedford-on-Park, 61 East 34th Street, New York City. They are open. Chef Alex is ready to prepare for you an amazing Thanksgiving dinner with lamb, bacon, barbecue, brisket sliders, delicious burgers and steaks, wonderful side dishes and desserts as well. Uh, also, if you want to uh, book your holiday, oh, they're also open this Saturday night, uh, like they are every Saturday night during the uh, during the winter, Bedford-on-Park. And if you want to book your holiday party, this is the perfect time to do it. Get in touch with Bedford-on-Park at the northwest corner of uh, 34th and Park <clears throat> and book that um, year-end holiday celebration for your office, your staff, your uh, colleagues, your clients, etc., etc. They could accommodate up to 150 people. Very, very, very worthwhile, I can tell you that much. 
So that's uh, Bedford on Park. Go to bedfordkitchen.com or get in touch with them today and make that reservation. Um, a reminder, you could sponsor part or all of a JM in the AM broadcast if you go to fjbunity.org. FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcast and <coughs> Broadcasting. FJBunity.org. And we encourage you to do so to keep us going. We're getting close to the end of the calendar year. I know a lot of people like to donate funds toward the end of the calendar year. Your opportunity to support us um, is at fjbunity.org, and we thank you. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at nachomsegel.com. On the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Rena Emerson is going to join us, CEO of New York NCSY. She'll be visiting us this morning. Gabe Geller expected in studio as well. Bite Size with Yoni Pollock will feature a couple of interesting interviews. I'll give you the details on that coming up. Whole start at 9 a.m. this morning, right after JM and the AM, and then Avrami will host a live lunch starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. So a lot of great programming coming up. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast is next. Boker Tov from JNM. Galitzal, Shashtayim, Khan Shibel Karmi Mansour, in Mashakore Akshav. Shneemasri Olam Nigzeru Alamechabel, Shedras Lamavet, Samal El Haite Harlev, Zichono Livracha, Samuchle Ofra, Katavenu Ariel Ziegler. המחבל פעיל חמאס הורשע ברצח סמל אל חי תערלב זיכרונו לברכה לוחם גולני ובניסיון לרצח שלושה בני אדם נוספים ששהו בתחנת האוטובוס סמוך לאופרה בזמן הפיגוע שהתרחש בחודש אפריל האחרון. בפיגוע נפצע גם חייל נוסף. מלבד זאת הורשע המחבל בניסיונות פיגוע אחרים בהם היה מעורב בית הדין הצבאי גזר עליו שני מעשרי עולם ופיצויים בסך 280 אלף שקלים. החמרה משמעותית במצבו של מנהיג הציבור החרדי ליטאי הרב אהרון שטיינמן האלימות הופסק בכל הישיבות הליטאיות והספרדיות. כתבנו אורי איגרה. הרב בן המאה וארבעה מושפז בבית החולים מעייני האישה ומצבו קשה, בביתו חוששים לקריסת מערכות עקב ירידה בכל המדדים. הציבור החרדי נקרא להגיד תהילים לרפואתו, והופסקו הלימודים במוסדות החרדיים. ראש הממשלה נתניהו התקשר לפני זמן קצר לחבר הכנסת משה גפני, מקורבו של הרב שטיינמן, ואמר לו, ככל המצרים מתפלל להחלמתו. חוק החרם עבר בקריאה טרומית. כתבנו מיכאל האוזר טוב. החוק החדש שמקודם יאפשר להטיל קנס בגובה של עד 100 אלף שקלים על כל ארגון או אדם שקראו לחרם על מדינת ישראל, ומבלי שהוכח כי הם גרמו לנזק ממשי. בעבר הכנסת חוקקה חוק דומה מאוד, רק שבו ניתן היה לתבוע את המחרים בכל סכום, ללא הגבלה, אולם אז בג"ץ קבע שמדובר בצעד לא מידתי. החוק החדש צפוי להיתקל גם הוא בעתירות משפטיות. הותר לפרסום עובד מערכת הביטחון נידון לארבע שנות מאסר וחצי בגין פרסום וצריכה של תכנים פדופיליים. כתבתנו פי גוטמן. עובד מערכת הביטחון בן חמישים ששמו אסור בפרסום, הודה והורשע בכתב אישום מתוקן, לפיו צרח ושיתף אחרים בתוכן פדופילי קשה, ובתכנים הכוללים התעללות קיצונית בבעלי חיים, בחלק מן המקרים גם על ידי נשים מרומות. הפרקליטות טענה שעובדות כתב האישום הן מהקיצוניות ביותר שנחשפו בישראל בתחום הפדופיליה המקוונת, וכאמור בית משפט השלום בתל אביב גזר עליו ארבע וחצי שנות מאסר. עשרים שנה שנים לאחר מלחמת יגוסלביה, הקצב מבוסניה, ראש הצבא הבוסני-סרבי, מורשע ברצח עם ונידון לשבת בכלא עד סוף ימיו. כתבתנו יערה אגה מחורי. 
בית הדין של האו"ם הרשיע את הרמטכ"ל הבוסני-סרבי לשעבר, הגנרל רדקום לדיץ', ברצח עם ופשעים נגד האנושות, וגזר עליו מאסר עולם בשל הזוועות שביצע במהלך מלחמת יוגוסלביה בשנות התשעים. מלדיץ', בן ה-75, הואשם בין היתר בטבח של 8,000 מוסלמים בסרברניצה, הטבח ההמוני החמור ביותר באירופה מאז מלחמת העולם השנייה. מזג האוויר, ירידה בטמפרטורות, ייתכנו גשמים קלים ברחבי הארץ. אלה החדשות שעורך איתמר דרוקמן.
סלח לי אבי, כי חטאתי לך, וכל לי על כל פשעיי. על כל פשעיי. ששכחתי אותך, היית תמיד בחיי. בכל הדרכים שהלכתי בעצם, היית לי נר הייתי עיוור, לא ראיתי מעבר. למה שהביטו עיניי. מלך מלכי המלכים, תודה על חיים, על אור של הרבה חיאצות. גם כשקשה לפעמים, גם אז אלוקים, אתה לעולם לא רחוק. מלך מלכי המלכים, תודה על חיים, על אור של הרבה חיאצות. גם כשקשה לפעמים, גם אז אלוקים, אתה לעולם לא רחוק. גם כי אלך בדרכי חשוכה, פתחתי בך אלוקיי. על חצי שני, על בכור וילדה, תודה גם על עושר בלי די. תודה על חגים, על שבת ששומרת. שלא ייגמר לעולם. כל יום שעובר בנרקי לגן עדן, שיוויתי אותך מול
Yisrael Werdiger with Nagil. You heard Mitzvah that was done by uh, Ohad. Ohad and the Kinderlach together with Melech Machem Lachim and Kanfei Nesharim with Simcha Liner live in Odessa here at uh, JM in the AM. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a, what is today? Wednesday. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. We are here all week. That's right. A lot of people are off. We are not. We are here all week. Make sure to tune in every single morning. Make sure to enjoy all our fabulous programming all through the day. Bite Size is coming up with Yoni Pollock at 9 o'clock right after JM in the AM. He'll be featuring an interview that Joanna Shebson did with Moshe Braun, a sofer in Israel, and one that Tova Kenech did with Miriam Gottlieb, a donor relations manager for the Hesder Yeshiva in Steyrot. That's all happening at 9 a.m. on Bite Size with Yoni Pollock. At 11 a.m. it's a live lunch with Avrami. Tomorrow, as we said, Thanksgiving. I am here between 6 and 9. Make sure to join us. Will there be a bonus JM tomorrow morning? I don't know. I don't know if there'll be a bonus JM tomorrow morning. After all, tonight we're going to be celebrating with uh, Shifra and Marshall. The big wedding is tonight in New Jersey. Mazal Tov to the uh, extended Cohen and Sinensky and Grobus families from all of us here at the JM and the AM. Shifra and Marshall getting married tonight. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Wednesday morning broadcast, plenty more coming up. More from Amram Adar. Sebe 
J.M. in the A.M. with Yaakov Shweki. Kedai is the name of that one. Wednesday morning. Hello, everybody. Don't forget Bedford on Park is open tomorrow. Northwest corner, 34th and uh, Park Avenue. They're open tomorrow for Thanksgiving. Get your reservations in bedfordkitchen.com. Also, uh, they're open this coming Saturday night, as they are every Saturday night during the winter. Don't forget that. And uh, they want to host your corporate party. If you have a... um, <clears throat> Excuse me. An end of year party, some type of holiday celebration for your staff, your 
your staff, your colleagues, your clients, etc., etc., etc. You want to make sure to contact Bedford on Park. BedfordKitchen.com, great choice for all your year-end gatherings when it's time to thank your staff for a great 2017. J.M. the A.M., good morning, 7.30 in the morning on this Wednesday. by Goldwasser in a moment. Wanted to just, uh, oh, first of all, congratulations to the University Maccabees. Men's basketball team won last night. We were there for the big victory. Congratulations. Don't forget December 3rd, City Field for the Achiezer Jewish Healthcare Conference and Expo. Achiezer.org slash expo. Achiezer.org slash expo. Uh, don't forget the um, December 3rd, New Jersey. Livingston, New Jersey, the Kushner Schools, the amazing and incredible Safam will be in concert. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They really are amazing. Uh, If you've never seen them in concert, make sure you get your reservations in. You certainly don't want to miss it, I can tell you that much. Um, JKHA.org slash Atid. JKHA.org. Slash Atid. We'll get you all the information you need regarding the um, Atid Society event with Safam on the night of December 3rd. We'll be there. I'm looking forward to I've never been to an Atid Society event before. I'm looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. And from what I hear, I heard from Amari Halpern yesterday, a uh, tremendous buzz about Safam being there. A lot of excitement. So, and they've had some great, great, great acts over the years. So, we're getting ready for a great night. Um, what else did I want to tell everybody? Gabe Geller is expected in studio this morning here at JM and the AM. We'll talk about kosher wines for Thanksgiving and for Hanukkah. We're here tomorrow between six and nine. You'd think most people would take off tomorrow, not us. Make sure to be tuned in. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas are of Zeb and Yosef Alevi, and Zechonishmas Esther Basar of Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. Abaye was a well-known Amora. He was the Rosh Hashiva of Pumpadissa. He was able to shield over his entire city with his great Sidkus and righteousness. Every hour of Shabbos, a special heavenly voice, Abaskol, went out from Shemayim in his Zuchus. It called out, Shalom Aleichem. Rava was privileged to the Baskol only once a year on Erev Yom Kippur. However, there was one other person, not as great as either of them, who was privileged to a Baskol, the heavenly voice, each and every day. That was Abba Umna. Abba Umna was not a great Talmud Chachum like Abaye. Yet, he was privileged to this special baskol on a daily basis. Abaye was only Zoha once a week. Abaye thought that perhaps there was something wrong with his own personal deeds that made him not acceptable to receive the baskol on a daily basis. Abaye searched through all of his deeds and he didn't find any chisronos, any shortcomings. From great Agmas Nefesh, from great distress, he grew faint and ill. People said 
It was because he was unable to do what Abba Umna does. Aside from the many acts of tzidkus that Abba Umna performed, one day Abaye sent two Talmidim to test Abba Umna. They wanted to see what they could learn from his masim, from his deeds, why it was that he was privileged to this great act of hearing the Basko from Shemayim. He received them with great honor. He gave them the best food and drink and then provided them with good mattresses to sleep on during the night. Unlike those who sleep on luxurious beds, but give their guests a mere cot to sleep on. In the morning, the Talmidim took the mattresses to the marketplace to sell. There, they met Abba Umna, and they asked him, How much are these worth? He told them how much they were worth. Then they asked him, Perhaps they're worth more. He replied, This is the price that I paid. The Talmidim saw that Abba Umna knew that these expensive mattresses were his. Yet, he didn't get angry that they had taken them to sell in the marketplace. They said to him, These mattresses belong to you, and we took them to test you. What did you suspect us of? He replied, I said to myself, Maybe these Chachamim had a case of Pidyan Shvuyim, redeeming a captive, and they were ashamed to tell me. That is how far Abba Umna went to be Melamed Tzchus, to feel that someone is really doing the right thing. When the two Talmidim tried to give him back the mattresses, he refused. He said, I already dedicated it to Tzedakah. Imagine his level. He takes in guests. He gives them everything. They take his mattresses to sell in the marketplace and then have the chutzpah to ask him how much they should get for it. He didn't tell them they're making a mistake. He didn't say the mattresses belonged to him. He was Dan Lekav Tzuchus. He judged them favorably. Imagine, people in our world today, how many times we suspect others without any basis and we don't go to investigate whether they're right or wrong. Imagine if we would all act like Abba Umna. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day.
J.M. in the A.M. with Sandy Shmueli on this Wednesday morning, Thanksgiving tomorrow. We are here at J.M. in the A.M. So make sure to be tuned in. And I thank all of you for listening from around the world. I especially thank those who have been commenting on our app, the Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. Um, a lot of good requests, including uh, um, uh, Avram Fried music. But the one that caught my uh, eye was the request for Hanukkah music. It's the fourth of Kislev, and already our listeners, at least one of them on the app, is looking for those Hanukkah selections. I guess we're going to have to incorporate them sooner rather than later here at the Nahum Siegel Network. It is a Wednesday morning broadcast. Rena Emerson is with us live in our studio. She is the relatively brand-new CEO of New York NCSY. And joins us here on a Wednesday morning broadcast, Rena Emerson. Good morning. Good morning, Nahum. How are you? A pleasure to have you here, and congratulations on the brand new position. Thank you so much. This started when? Um, August 15th, this year. And they've always had a CEO, or it had a different title in years past? Who, who were your predecessors? Anybody um, yeah, no, it was. Uh, it's always the structure of NCSY is that there's a regional director. Right. Sometimes there's an executive director. Um Canada NCSY has a CEO, but this is the first time New York has had a CEO. Yeah, I figured that this is a newly created position, which would indicate that the region has gotten even larger than the way we remember it. Uh, thank God. Hopefully, we're going to be growing the region. Uh, New York NCSY should be a third of the country uh, in terms of our numbers with NCSY, just based on population and uh, availability of students. Um, so we're hoping to grow it to a third of the country. So uh, you, you're at the top, and then there is, in fact, a regional director? Uh, there are three. There are there three, are three regional, regional serving what regions? So instead of uh, breaking up a, a G, 
geographically, we're breaking up demographically mm-hmm. now in New York NCSY. So there's a, p- a person in charge of public school recruitment and, and education, day school recruitment and education, and then community relationships. Wow. And then there's a fundraiser. So there are four people that are on the senior team um, with me. Uh, and, and tremendous potential in the New York and area. And tremendous potential in the New York area. And I can only imagine. Now, when were you first introduced to NCSY? A very long time ago. <laughs> from what area of the country are you? I, I'm from New Jersey. Oh. I grew up in Fairlawn. Okay. Uh, sixth grade. It was my first NCSY experience. Um, actually, at my bat mitzvah, there was a NCSY board meeting in the same shul, and <laughs> they were like, hey, you should come. And I'm like, okay. Um, so, so I started then. I've been working for NCSY since 1998. Um, started the first um, TJJ bus, Jerusalem Journey, which is our public wow. school trip. So I was on the first three buses with... Rabbi Steve Berg and uh, Rabbi Barry Goldfisher. Rabbi Barry Goldfisher is now in charge of TJJ mm-hmm. in general. We went from one bus and now we have about 15, 40 kids to about 500, 400, uh, depending on yeah, uh, the on year. The um, and uh, thank God, it's a, it's a program that really grew tremendously. Well, we met a lot of those students, a lot of those uh, program uh, participants over the last couple of years during Yelman CSY, they are a very impressive group. Yeah, thank God. And that they come from, I assume you're a day schooler, right? From when you I am a day schooler, yes. So I, the fact that they come from public school backgrounds and that they and their parents feel the importance of them spending a summer like that in Israel is just remarkable. Yeah, it's incredible. And we've also actually expanded recently to um, TJJ for Moms. We run JWRP trips now oh. uh, for moms whose kids went on TJJ kind of a holistic approach to families. And in New York NCSY, we're toying with the TJJ for dads, uh, for a JWRP trip for dads. So I didn't realize that this, so it's sort of like a merger or partnership. It's a partnership, yes. The recent, I would, uh, I would guess. It started last year. Mm-hmm. And because the OU slash NCSY has demonstrated an expertise when it comes to these trips, right? Basically, that's what attracts yeah, well, Yeah, JWRP has a great infrastructure for it. And we uh, realized that in order to help the the students get more inspired and more involved in Judaism, the parents have to be on board. Right. Um, so, you know, helping the parents uh, kind of see what what the kids are doing is very helpful to our approach. Rena Emerson is here. So when you when you hear when you see and hear about a fleet of buses traveling Israel as part of TJJ, that must give you an incredible feeling. It's amazing. It really is incredible. You were I mean, there from the very beginning. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very hard stretch at the beginning to get forty kids on the first bus, and now I mean it's not easy, right. but it's it's uh, thank God, and 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 the entire country is really rallied behind this uh, TJJ and all of our summer programs. Our like, summer programs are amazing. Oh, that's for sure. Shout out to David Cutler. David Cutler is the best. Um, and that that's the and that's why I say that you know when it comes to TJJ, when it comes to other programs, I might you know give the all the laudator, all the laudatory remarks to others, but when it comes to TJJ, that's why I say. These students and parents really get the the first level of the compliments because they're making that commitment, and from a background where you know not a lot of people are making that commitment. So yeah, absolutely. Rena Emerson is the brand new CEO of New York NCSY. So he took over in August. How have the first three months gone? Uh, great. I mean, thank God. It's uh, uh, you know, I I actually worked in New York NCSY nine years ago. Right. Um, I've been working for the OU for about nineteen years now in very many different capacities. Um. I worked with Arya Lightstone in in uh, New York and CSY before, so it's a kind of a homecoming. It's a, a wonderful. How do, you, how do you know it got off to a good start so far? Like, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Are the numbers bearing out? You know, a good start to the five seven seven eight season. Uh, the numbers are good. Um, they're they're definitely. We just had our regional sh- uh, Shabbaton uh, two weeks ago. 
Uh, the numbers are good. The the staff is excited and um and uh, looking forward to a for a growth boom. We're we're in the waiting honeymoon period now to kind of see what's going on and kind of feeling each other out and how we all work together. Um and you know we're looking forward to really big things. And with all the experience that you have, um in 2017, how would you describe the balance between? Jewish leadership's concern and work for the public school youth and Jewish leadership's concern and work for the day school youth. That is the conundrum of NCSY since I started in sixth grade. Um, <laughs> where, where we focus ourselves, where we um, align Well, you've established ourselves. two departments, which is a major um, statement. Yeah, I, I think that they go hands in hands. I don't think, you know, when I grew up in NCSY, growing up, um, my best friend was from public school. The reason why I started coming back to NCSY was because in eighth, seventh grade, I met this girl from public school and we had no, you know, it was before sm- smartphones. It was before we didn't drive. We didn't have phones. You had to call the house phone to talk to each other, right? That was not fun. Uh, so the reason why we started coming back to NCSY was because we were friends. And I think both of us um, developed ourselves based on the relationship with others. I think the peer-to-peer mentoring that a public school kid and a Yeshiva Day school kid on both parts, Yeshiva Day school right. kid has the knowledge and has right. the experience and the public school kid has the um, shiny eyes, I guess, towards Judaism, and and I think the peer to peer stuff. So we've been doing a lot of stuff like that with New York NCSY. So the events and the Shabbatons are still the still same, together, the same mix, yeah. the same type of social atmosphere, etc. Yeah. There's just one person who's who's looking out for the day school education part of it right. to make sure that they're going to be happy, and one person that's looking out for the public school part of it to make sure that they're going to be happy. And we all work together on a daily basis. You know, New York has its own challenges because very often in this region, if one wants to especially as a Jewish person, one can remain anonymous. Uh, it's not as easy somebody who you know wants to identify as a Jew to remain anonymous in other parts of the country. Uh, so it, it might be a little harder to find some of these public school youth that, that want to be involved. Am yeah, I right? absolutely. I mean, our bread and butter in terms of finding the youth is the JSU clubs, uh, Jewish Student Union clubs. We go into the public schools and we serve pizza. And they kind of smell the pizza and follow the boxes <laughs> through the hallway. Um, but yeah, it is it is challenging, and it is you know, and and we all constantly have to ask ourselves what's relevant to 2017 because right. the stuff that we did in 1998 is not going to be relevant anymore. So we have to try to figure out what's going to get them in. Once they're in, I think that we're able to, um, you know, produce a product that that works and that that is known. But getting them in is the is the challenge. And at one time, it wasn't easy doing these public school. Inside the public school clubs, right? But now it's it's fairly easy. That we still have some problems in some clubs, really? but but we we have a workaround. Like in Hewlett High School, for example, we're not allowed into the club, but there's a there's a Starbucks right next door, so the club is right next door in in in, in the Starbucks. Right, and the so. kids know leave school and go straight there. Exactly. Interesting. Uh, Rena Emerson is here. It's uh, it's a uh, brand new New York NCSY because she has taken over as CEO. Uh, as of a couple of months ago. All right, next month is the Yarche Kala. Um, it, and now, I am again amazed, like I said during our TJJ discussion just a few minutes ago, I am again amazed at public school youth from around this country who take the one week, the one really good week that they're off, and they come to Connecticut basically to study Torah and to be as familiar, get as familiar as possible with Judaism, which is pretty remarkable, I, I think. For the New Yorkers... It's a little bit of an easier journey. It's not, you know, they don't have to worry about flying in from California and other places. It's actually, yes, but it's more exotic. When you're from California to go to New York on a New York trip, and then we tack on a two, couple days in the city, and Good they get point. to go see things, so it's a little bit more exotic to fly in. 
Um, but thank God, Yarkakala, um, I just looked at the numbers right before we spoke. They have about 300 kids signed up already. Last year at this time, there were 80. Um, our biggest problem right now is space, which is amazing. Um, and I assume you're doing it in the hotel in Connecticut, doing, right? Obviously, our home away from home. Right. Um, and uh, it's really, I mean, David Bashevkin is a master. If you've not had him on the show yet, you need oh, to get him on. Him on sure. uh, he's a master with this stuff, and, and they really look forward to it. We have world-class educators um, within NCSY and without of NCSY coming to, to join us for the week. It's really an unbelievable experience. How many of your local youth do you think will be going? Um, we only have 30 spots because oh, they give it out like they that. They give it out like that. Um, so, so you're going to be sold spots. out, obviously. So yeah, we're. I mean, we are almost sold out. Yeah, um, so we only have 30 spots. Hopefully, if another region doesn't fill all their slots, we'll get some more. But we right. only have 30 slots. Who's responsible for development? Who's out there raising money for New York NCSY? So um, I am. Uh, I'm, I'm raising money for New York NCSY. Also, Tiffany Yankovich is our uh, development director, and Daniel Gordon, who we just hired from Yeshiva University, is our chief relationship officer. Um, so he's uh, in charge of community development and uh, development as well. All right. So what, I'm assuming the majority of the audience that's listening right now has heard of NCSY. What could people do? Can they just visit the website or get in touch? They absolutely, with you? can visit the website. Um, you know, just speaking about Yachikala for sure. a minute. Um, we subsidize, it, it costs about $900 a kid to come to Yachikala. Uh, the kids pay 300 So we, you know, NCSY is carrying the burden of $600 a kid. $600, you know, if you break it down, is not $300 a month. You can do it over two months, and that would be really helpful to help these kids uh, learn Torah over the Oh, day. I'm glad you mentioned that figure. So basically, anybody listening right now who wants to sponsor a public school kid at the Yachikala, it's a $600 commitment, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. And if they want to break it up, you say there's no problem with that. No problem. All right. So they can go to, uh, uh, what website should they use for that? Go to ncsy.org to, uh, to the donate button. They can go to newyorkncsy.org. Um, it would be very helpful and uh, very much appreciated. All right. Everybody out there has an assignment now. Um, we always wonder about the call to action when it comes to supporting uh, uh, major organizations and all the different work they do. NCSY does have in the month of December, just a couple of weeks from now, um, this amazing Yarche Kala that takes place in Connecticut, and right here locally, New York kids are being subsidized to the tune of $600 uh, per student. Anybody out there who would like to donate $600, um, uh, even in installments if you wish, uh, to NCSY, to New York NCSY, would be sponsoring one public school uh, student to go to the Archecala, which is pretty amazing. Or a national NCSY across the country, right. same same deal. Correct. But come on, you're representing New York. I'm both. Uh, my, my other title is a managing director of... Uh, is NCSY that true? Yes, yes. So you've got two big titles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you travel with the second title? Like, do you have to go to visit other uh, regions and stuff? No, or? my region is is primarily New York. Oh, got it. Okay. Well, very nice. Yeah. Rena Emerson, New York NCSY CEO. It's a new position that has been created for her, and she's off to a, a roaring start here at the beginning of the five seven seven eight season. Those of you who want information, of course, you can go to the website. Or you can, uh, I'm sure, get in touch with you at the OU as well, and people could speak with you. Well, we wish you the best of luck with all of this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. It sounds like you're off to a great start. Baruch, Bar Baruch Hashem is right. Rena Emerson on a Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.
comes from Yehuda. Wednesday morning broadcast at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wednesday morning, want to take this opportunity, wish a mazel tov. Shifra Cohen and Marshall Grabois. Don't ask how I pronounced the last name earlier. Now I think we got it right. Uh, they are getting married tonight. Shiffy and Marshall, looking forward to celebrating with them. Mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Brand new book out there. It's called The Good Fight, America's Ongoing Struggle for Justice. Comes from Rick Smolin and Jennifer Irwitt. And uh, there is an association um, between this book and the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. And with us live via telephone is the chief executive officer of the ADL. Jonathan Greenblatt joins us here at JM in the AM. A pleasure to welcome you to the show. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. I There's... There, <laughs> There's so many things I'd like to speak to the head of the ADL about. Uh, before we get to the book, I'm just, I'm so curious. You know, I, as you can imagine, like so many others, uh, were outraged by the Larry David episode on Saturday Night Live, uh, making jokes. For those who didn't see it, essentially making jokes um, about the setting of a concentration, you know, within the setting of a concentration camp. And um, I, I just, and of course, the ADL took a very strong position. Uh, about how inappropriate that was. I, I'm just, you know, I, I wonder what the what the line is. At what point does somebody have to, um, you know, until at, 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 what point does someone have to be careful about a line they shouldn't be crossing? What was it that Larry David did that, you know, that, that prompted a public statement from the ADL about that performance? Well, I'll tell you, so I missed the actual live uh, joke or the monologue. I was out with my wife, and then my phone rang, and it rang, and it rang. And so the next morning when I woke up, I uh, I watched it to see for myself. And, you know, these these issues are hard, Nachum, right? It's not easy to know. Oh, yeah. But he managed to be a both incredibly insensitive. I mean, I don't need to tell you and your listeners. Oh, yeah. The Shoah is a tragedy without comparison, not just in the 20th century, but in human history. And so to walk all over it, to belittle it, to diminish it, is, is really, really insensitive. Secondly, when he not only did he diminish it by suggesting that only Jews are responsible for the, the sexual harassment cases that we've seen in the headlines recently, right. and combining those two issues, it was outrageously offensive and obnoxious. And, you know, let's acknowledge the fact that, as you just made a point, it is hard to know where the line is, but, but as a Jewish person, you have a particular responsibility to be more sensitive than most. So he managed to be insensitive and obnoxious. And you know what else, Nachum, maybe the worst of all? He wasn't even funny. Right. Yeah, that, by the way, you may, you may have just hit the most important point about all this, and that is that so many people ex- might excuse him because he's Jewish. That's why we should be outraged because he's exactly Jewish. correct. You know, we should listen to Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers, the famed comedian who was Jewish and made no bones about it. Right. The one joke that she wouldn't touch was anything about the Holocaust. Right. Why? Because she knew that the six million souls that were lost were not a punchline. Right. And I just wish Larry David might keep that in mind. Yeah, very good. Uh, you, you helped me really um, uh, understand this. And the um, 
And the reaction, I guess, uh, in terms of the way he was uh, treated in the press was certainly was certainly appropriate. The, the one thing I would say is, and again, you know, crossing lines and, and establishing lines, I, I don't know if we would call what he did, you know, hate speech, right? We would not put it in that category. Am I correct? Yeah, I don't think it's hate speech. I think it's, it's dumb speech. Right. It's offensive speech. Right. It's ugly speech. But we think about hate as someone who intentionally attempts to, because of someone's inalienable characteristics, like their Jewish faith or their national identity, like perhaps being from Israel, right. someone who tries to stir up hatred against someone because of their faith, their race, their national origin. I don't think that's what he was doing. So we need to be careful, but that doesn't make it any less offensive. Jonathan Greenblatt with us, CEO, ADL, Anti-Defamation League. I mentioned at the top of this conversation, there's a book out called The Good Fight, America's Ongoing Struggle for Justice. It's put together... By New York Times bestselling authors Rick Smolin and Jennifer Irwitt. Why is this an important publication for the ADL? That's a, that's a great question. So when I started here at ADL in mid-2015, I had six months before I actually began on the job to do research. Because, I, look, I have never, I formerly worked in business and in government, but I'd never run a Jewish organization before. So I started doing research, and I learned a few things. Number one, I was amazed, just amazed, that when I read about how people were thinking about minorities today in America, many people, particularly some on what I might call the left, seemed to discount the Jewish experience of struggling for civil rights. Many people seemed to forget that Jews marched with Dr. King, but that even before that, Jews had been excluded from universities because of quotas. Right, that, that, that Jews, quote-unquote, had to march for themselves. Right, that Jews, quote-unquote, had to march for themselves, right. They absolutely did. There was no one lifting us up. And so I was amazed, though, that when I read about the, the let's say, African Americans or Hispanics or Asian Americans there was, and their struggles, there was no story, no mention of our struggle. And then I also discovered, this won't surprise you, that when you look at what's happening on campus, where our Jewish kids often have a hard time, sometimes because of Israel, sometimes just because they're in difficult environments where there's intolerance. People somehow think Jews are not a minority or that Jews have white privilege and have no idea what our Jewish people have lived through. And so that was the first problem I wanted to solve. And then secondly, many people don't know that the ADL was one of those groups that in the 1940s started fighting for African-American civil rights. Mm. And in the 1950s fought for immigrants. And in the 1960s fought for Latinos. So I wanted to, A make sure that the Jewish story was told, and then B, make sure ADL story was told. So I, worked, I reached out to Rick Smolin. I saw him at a conference called TED. Rick's a Jewish guy from New York, award-winning photojournalist. He and his wife have done a series of amazing New York Times best-selling picture books. And I said, hey, would you do a book about civil rights? I know most of your books are current. I want to do a book that looks back and looks forward that tells the stories of how many communities in the United States have struggled, including the Jewish community. Rick said yes. It was a two-year journey, but the book was published you know, just a couple weeks ago. Right. And The Good Fight tells the story of how Jews, along with blacks and, again, Hispanics and women and other minorities, have struggled and overcome and yet how much more work there is to be done. Is this, and I mean this with, with all respect, just to understand, is this part of the ADL mission? Is, is this, does civil rights go hand-in-hand hand, 
uh, with you know with the ADL's watch over you know anti-Semitic incidents and um, you know racist activities, etc., that go on in this country. Nachum, that's such a good question, and and you know I have a very it's a it's a very interesting story, and it's a very Jewish story. So in 1913, right around the time that ADL was founded, there's a man named Leo Frank who was sure. lynched outside of Atlanta. And I'm sure all of you oh, listeners yeah. know the story. Sure. A Jew from New York went down to manage his family's business, rampant anti-Semitism. And he was accused. They found a, a young Gentile girl assaulted and strangled to death on the property. Right. Instantly, the blame went to the Jew. And much like the Dreyfus trial just a few years before in France. He was immediately found guilty. He was sentenced to death. The governor saw it was a sham trial. He commuted his sentence to life imprisonment, and the mob was so enraged, they tore him from his jail cell, and they hung him from a tree. Right. And in that moment, ADL was founded, and the founders, they wrote a mission statement. They wrote, the organization will, quote, work to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and secure justice and fair treatment to all so it's interesting, Nachum, is at a time in the U.S., 100 years ago, the Jewish community, we didn't have political power or economic resources or social standing. We couldn't live in places, attend universities, work in many professions. And yet these Jews said, we will start an organization to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and secure justice and fair treatment to all. Mm-hmm. So when we didn't have a leg to stand on, when our future was uncertain, when our people were vulnerable, we still said we won't be happy until not only is America good for us, but it's also good for others. So ADL, for 103 years, has 104, has always had this mission of making America good for the Jewish people and also making good for all people. And, you know, look, it was an audacious bet. It was a lofty goal. And yet when they said this, when they laid this out, it's a very Jewish ambition, right? That's for sure. Jonathan Greenblatt's with us. A civil rights and anti-defamation go hand in hand. I appreciate your, your analysis of that. But now, does this put the organization and your leadership in a difficult position in 2017 um, when it comes to the, you know, the news of the day? potential deportations and different things that people are either accurate about or accusing inaccurately the president, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of his efforts. Mm -hmm. Is it any more difficult for your organization now, or this is essentially the way things have always been? You've always been fighting against, um, you know, against uh, um, action against immigrants and minorities. Well, I mean, we have, uh, there's two things. So number one, I do think this puts us in a difficult place. When the kind of core issues and the basic liberties that we care about are under siege, that's not easy. We've been around since and dealing with presidents since Woodrow Wilson. We didn't always agree with Ronald Reagan. We like when he went to the Bitburg right. um, Cemetery in in Germany, where there were Nazis buried and honored them. Right. We didn't always agree with H. W. Bush when, for example, he pushed you know Israel into the Madrid peace process, which was not so great. Mm-hmm. We didn't always agree with Barack Obama, like, for example, when he allowed that terrible U.N. resolution to pass at the, uh, you know, the, at the United Nations. So we have not always agreed with presidents. That isn't new for us. Um, I will tell you, though, we started standing up for immigrants in the 1950s 
We got a young senator from Massachusetts to write a book at a time when Jews and other people were being excluded from entering this country. John F. Kennedy wrote two books in his life, one called Profiles in Courage and the second, A Nation of Immigrants. He wrote that book for ADL. And the first time we went to the Supreme Court in 1947 was uh, filing a brief on a case where blacks and Jews were excluded from living in certain neighborhoods. We tried to push back on one of those restrictive covenants. So we have always done this work. Now, with, I'll just say with President Trump, we do, not agree with, we do not agree with him on everything. I mean, we didn't agree with the way he handled, for example, Charlottesville. We don't agree with what he's doing today on immigration, as you mentioned. On the other hand... It's, it's, it's impossible to ignore, impossible to ignore. This man has a Jewish daughter, Jewish grandchildren running on the White House. I've been told he's made kashrut one of the kitchens at the White House. <laughs> this man prayed at the Kotel. So this man has a closer, more intimate relationship with our people than any president in the history of this country. You can like, it doesn't matter how you vote. That's just a fact. But it also doesn't matter what party you belong to. It matters what you value. And for me, our, my Jewish identity and my Jewish organization is focused on not only being for myself, although that's where it starts, but also being for others. And John- not being for others later, being for others right now. Jonathan Greenblatt's with us, CEO at the, the ADL. There's so much I need to speak to you about. We, we have to invite you into the studio one of these days. Let's just go back in the, in the final minutes here to the book. So if people uh, get the book, it's called The Good Fight, America's Ongoing Struggle for Justice. Uh, first of all, they're going to see a whole bunch of amazing photographs, right? That you acknowledge, yeah. correct? I mean, yeah. it, it really is amazing. A lot of tremendous history in the book. Yeah. No matter what political bent you're from, you'll see some really incredible yeah. scenes. And one of the things I want to point out, two quick things. Number one, the, we, the, forward, the, the book is ten chapters, nine about different communities, a tenth about the ADL. Each chapter is gorgeous photos. Some are archival, some are very current. And it has a personal essay from someone from that community, and they're amazing. The, 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 women's, chapters, the, cha- the women's chapter has an essay by Tiffany Schlein, Jewish-American filmmaker from San Francisco, amazing lady. But the forward was written by Brett Stevens. Mm. Brett Stevens, the conservative Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist, former of the Journal Now of the Times. Why did Brett write this forward for this book? Because civil rights are not a liberal issue. They're everyone's issue. And as a Jew, as a Jew from Mexico City, Brett understands these issues are our story, nobody else's. The second thing I just got to say quickly sure. is this book is so unusual. There is an app that goes with the book. You can download it at thegoodfightbook.org, and you download it on your phone, Nachum, and then you hover your phone over photographs in the book, and about a third of the photographs have videos associated with them. If you literally oh. just, just, just point the phone toward those pictures. Honestly, you open up the app, you point your phone toward the picture, and a video will pop on your phone. Like you'll hear John F. Kennedy when he gave the speech at ADL's 50th anniversary dinner in 1963. That's what the book is like. It's really quite amazing. I hope you'll check it out. Very cool. The app is called The Good Fight. Uh, The website one more time? Thegoodfightbook.org. Simple as that. Thegoodfightbook.org. It's The Good Fight, America's ongoing struggle for justice. You heard about the uh, ADL's role in uh, Rick Smolin and Jennifer Irwitt bringing this to the public. Again, no matter what political bent you are from, you will find this very interesting very fascinating, and the photos simply incredible. Jonathan, I really hope you consider coming in one day. There's so many issues you brought up today I'd love to explore further. Uh, 
you know, look, I can't wait to come in. Let's get that set up. And in the meantime, please let me just wish all of your listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, happy Hanukkah, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Jonathan Greenblatt, ADL CEO. Very, very interesting. Plenty more coming up on a Wednesday edition of JM in the AM. Gabe Geller is in the wings, which means Thanksgiving and Hanukkah wines is going to be our topic. We cover it all right here at JM in the AM. JM in the AM Wednesday with Lev Tahar. Gabe Geller is in our studio. Hey, hey, on. Before you say good morning, I'm going to introduce you properly. He is Director of Public Relations and Client Services, Advertising, etc. for the Royal Wine Corporation that many of us refer to, of course, as Kedem. And now I say Gabe Geller. Welcome to JM in the AM. 
Thank you, Nachum. Good morning. How you doing? Baruch Hashem. How are you, sir? Baruch Hashem. L'chaim to you. L'chaim, even at uh, 8.20 in the morning. Exactly. Every <laughs> meeting every meeting begins or ends or both with L'chaim when you're involved. Uh, you walk or, into someone's office, is it immediately L'chaim, or you wait till the end of the uh, of the I, meeting? I usually wait until the end. <laughs> you never know what can happen. You know? Yeah, you never know what kind of, <laughs> you never know what kind of meeting it's going to be. Uh, yeah? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, as we say in the vernacular, it's Arab Thanksgiving. It is. Which means we need kosher wines that pair up well with turkey, um, I guess pumpkin pie. Yeah. Some people have lemon meringue pie, I know. <laughs> uh, stuffing. Uh, what other? Tr- cranberry sauce and all the other turkey and Thanksgiving treats. And there are a lot of kosher wines out there, aren't there? That's true. It's getting more and more, uh, you know exciting and at the same time confusing for a lot of people uh which wines to choose for when for what what you're going to eat well let me ask you a question i mean there are people who are uh, who are visiting relatives and friends tomorrow and some of them really want to make a good impression now i know especially in your capacity that you'd have to list a hundred to fill in the following blank but let's <laughs> let's just let's just reassure our retailers and all the companies you're associated with that we're just using one as an example. You want to go out there and get a, I don't know, a $100 bottle of kosher wine for your host for tomorrow. Fill in the blank. Give me one example of an exquisite, incredible bottle that will knock their socks off and completely impress the host. All right. Uh, I would say Chateau Malartic La Graviere. Is that 100 retail? It's about 100 retail. Maybe, you know, on sale could be good. Say the name one more Maybe. time, slowly. Chateau Malartic La Gravière. And that is from what company? What label? Uh, it's it's That's the winery. That's what it's called? That's what it's called. It's made where? It's made in France, in Bordeaux. Kosher wine, made in France, and it's worth close to and possibly $100 a bottle. That's correct. Are there people who buy that by the case? Oh, yeah. Are there people who drink it on a regular basis? Uh, on a regular basis, maybe some of them, you know, they would be very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the type of wine which at some point weeks or months later is completely sold out? There are wines that as, the, as you go through the year, you know, the retailers know it'll be another six months before we get a shipment of this wine. Big time. Big and that's one of them. Big time. That's one of them. It will sell out. But right now it's available. It's still available, not for not for too long though. So would our typical kosher retailers have it? Yes, the good ones, <laughs> the ones that really stock good wine. Absolutely. Interesting. Is there such a thing as a two hundred dollar bottle to bring to your Thanksgiving host? Uh, yes, there is. And that would be, if you would give an example, that would be the Herzog Generation Eight Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley. What does that? I'm trying to think what that label is. That something I would ever have seen? A label I would ever have seen? Uh, it's possible. Uh, the it says label, Baron Herzog on it. It says Herzog. It's a, it, it's a very shiny silver label, silver and gold label. Okay. Uh, it's uh, it's really hard to miss it uh, if you see it on the shelf. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a very big, bold Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, complex and can age for a long time. And if my host knows a reasonable amount about good wine taste, they will turn to me after tasting this and say, y- you, you hit a complete home run here. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> Mamish. 
Mamish. It's unbelievable, I'll tell you. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, if, if you're going to the right place and you want to impress someone, 200 bucks for a bottle of wine is not such a bad idea. That's a great way to impress a wine drinker. That's true. <laughs> Frankly. That's true. It's still pretty cheap compared to right. what's available in non-kosher wine world. Right. Or you can find sometimes wine that, you know, right. a bottle would uh, would sell you at $10,000 right. and more. All right. So Gabe Geller is here. Let, let's We'll get to regular regular mainstream wines in a, <laughs> in a moment. But since we've already tackled the 100 and 200 level, in a regular um, experienced retail store, the ones that we are now used to in our different communities that are listening, we could go to what price tomorrow? We, we could find a 300, a 400. What, what could we find at the ready? Or is 200 really the limit? You're not going to find in a regular store like that you know, more than a $200 bottle of kosher wine tomorrow. You are going to. I mean, in some stores, you're going to find uh, wines that have been aged for a long time that uh, the store bought years ago and uh, kept for years. And I, and I know sometimes you hesitate, which I understand, to mention specific retailers. But the store you're thinking of right now is in what neighborhood or borough or where? Brooklyn. I'm in sorry. Brooklyn, there would be a store, and that would be how much? That bottle you just described? Five, six hundred dollars. It could be five, six hundred. Yeah. So no one's holding a thousand dollar bottle of wine, but but close. That, exactly. Yeah. Very interesting. And that bottle, if I had enough money, I could buy by the case or not? Uh, you would be lucky to find it by the case still, because that's why it's also so expensive. It's right. becoming very rare. Very interesting. All right, we got to talk a little bit about, about pairings. You know what the – you were not born in the United States, were you? I was born in Switzerland. In Switzerland, all right. They don't have Thanksgiving in Switzerland. They do not. No. <laughs> um, there's not a day of the year that's that's dedicated to turkey dinner in Switzerland. No. But you came not. to the United States and you found out, hey, look at this. Every November, I get to eat turkey, <laughs> which is really <laughs> nice. True. True. So you know what the basic meal is tomorrow for those who are, quote, unquote, observing things. Even those who don't observe Thanksgiving like to have fun with the turkey and, you know, all the different, you know, good food. Uh, who doesn't like to serve and, and eat good food? So you basically know what the meal is like. So th- with that in mind, you probably have in mind the perfect Thanksgiving wines, right? I mean, I would think. I absolutely do. Give me one. Well, there's the one that I uh, brought here today. That's a white wine. It's a white wine. Uh, it's pretty well known, but you know, I, I like to remind people about it because there are so many wines out there. Okay. Uh, it's the Herzog Special Reserve Russian River Valley uh, Chardonnay from Sonoma County. We've spoken about this one a lot over the years. That's true. And, th- and what makes this so amazing for tomorrow's meal is? Well, there are two main reasons. First of all, it goes great with poultry in general, right. and uh, turkey in particular uh, would go really perfectly both with the stuffing, with the meat, uh, and throughout the meal. So it's a, it's a really great white wine. Uh, it's delicious. Uh, the other reason I chose this wine is that this particular vintage, the current vintage that's on the shelves right now, is a 2015. And uh, this is, in my humble opinion, it's the best mm. uh, vintage of this wine in many years. Amazing. I love that. <laughs> I'll tell you a story about that in a moment. Um, so so this is the type of wine, again, knowing the traditional Thanksgiving meal, that you could start at the beginning and go till dessert. I mean, you could you could do this the entire, if you wanted to, we would go with everything at the table, basically. Maybe not with dessert. No, not but, with, but yeah. meaning up till, up, up till dessert. Up to dessert, yes, definitely. Right. Very cool. All right, and that's the and 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 again because the name is pretty long. Anybody who says uh, what is it? What river is it? What do you call it's it? It's Russian River. Russian River. A- and everybody knows. Right, you just know say Russian River. Herzog, Herzog Russian River. All right, that's, that's it. it, and that's all you need to know. 
Uh, I'll ask you this question. Um, I don't know if your bosses will like the fact that I'm asking this question. But I'm going to ask you this question. Go ahead. Average retail price. I mean, people are, if they're going to use this wine tomorrow, what are they going to be spending on that wine? It's usually between 25 to $30. All right. So it's not, this is not a. No, exactly. This is That's, what the average good wine drinker is spending on, on a bottle, basically. It's exactly that. I noticed, by the way, that the majority of kosher wine bottles, at least in, in the local store that I'm thinking of right now, are basically 25 to $35. That's true. It's actually very interesting because only 10 to 15 years ago, not even, uh, the average uh, price of a bottle of kosher wine you know, the, that most people uh, used to buy was under $10. Right. It was like between $8 to $12, right. something like that, which is the price point of Barn Herzog. And uh, right now, uh, we're talking more about 20 to $25, Correct. which is like the mainstream price. And, and, and frankly, one of the reasons is because the, the, <laughs> the average Jewish wine drinker, and I know this from experience, has gone from the, you know, the bottles in single digits, as you just mentioned, to enjoying stuff that's more in the $20, $30 range. I'll give you a perfect example. I am, and I know that your colleagues like to make fun of me. Thank God you don't. Uh, but I am a massive fan of the late harvest. Help me out here. The late harvest Chenin Blanc. Yes. The okay. late harvest, which I guess, again, it's somewhere over, over 20 bucks, right? Yep. And <laughs> In that it, area. It, it, it's, it's around 20 bucks. It's around 20. 20 bucks. Major fan. And of course, years ago, I would be much more of a fan of the 6 to $10 bottles. So, you know, just based on my own experience, I know that's true. By yeah, the way, you, you have to admit, even though, again, your colleagues like to poke fun at me. It, it has an unbelievable taste, that late harvest. It's delicious wine. wine. There's absolutely no reason to right. make fun of you. It's incredible. It. It's excellent dessert wine. There are a few uh, wines in that late harvest series. There's also you know, orange muscat, Love white it. Riesling, Love Zinfandel. It. Love it. The, uh, those are great dessert wines. They even age well. But, so, but that's where they make fun. If I'm using the Chenin Blanc during the meal itself, not so bad, right? I could get away with that. Of course you can. Save it for dessert. Come it, on, Gabe. It, you know, the, the, the main thing, you know, the, let, let's stop being, you know, snobs here. I mean, I am the snob here, not you. <laughs> You're an admitted wine snob, basically? I am an admitted wine snob. But yeah, truth be told is that the, there's only one rule, you know, uh, drink right. what you like and drink what you like with what you like to eat. Right. Uh, you know, there are, there are wines that pair better with this or that type of dish. Uh, but those are those are not you know it's not the low you know Correct. those are just you know rule of thumbs for uh, you know wine freaks like me. Uh, but you know drink whatever you like. You would or not uh, chill the late harvest Chenin Blanc? I would definitely. Oh, you chill. would chill it. Yes. So put it in for a half hour and at least and even, even an hour, you know. All right. So I'm not violating any rules when I do that. By the way, and again, you're going to make fun. I mean, I assume the Joy Vin is, is completely on the lower end of that, right? Is yes, it? that's different. It's like more fun wine, you right. know, party and wine, barbecue. If someone likes a good kiddish wine, they could use it, right? And So I actually had it recently. Again, same thing. Yeah. In the fridge overnight. In the fr Not an hour. In yeah. the fridge overnight. Absolutely. That's how outrageous I am, Gabe Geller. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're, you're doing the right thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I guess. Gabe Geller is here talking about Thanksgiving and now we're up to dessert. Obviously, you've covered, and, and again, Russian River, that's the key word, everybody, if you want the best for the uh, for the meal itself. Uh, you know what uh, the dessert consists of, essentially. It's a lot of pie, a lot of very, very sweet things tomorrow people like to serve. Um, 
uh, not unlike you know most desserts. But my point being that most people are not serving a fruit platter tomorrow. <laughs> most are serving really good sugar, yeah, really good sugary <laughs> stuff. You know, if there's fruit, it's inside the pie. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. So, what would you recommend having that in mind to uh, cap things off? Well, I personally I love pumpkin pumpkin pie, and uh, you mentioned also lemon uh, right, lemon, lemon meringue, meringue uh, which is one of my favorites. Uh, so definitely the the late harvest that uh, yeah. we mentioned before is uh, is a great option. That, any of those four? Yes, any of those four. The orange muscat. The the the, the the late the the late harvest Zinfandel. I would probably more pair with a pecan pie actually. Right. Uh, although it could go well also. I I can see it. You know, go go well with uh, with the pumpkin pie. Uh, absolutely. Uh, there are also other wines. There's a Tsafona ice wine. I had that. I remember having that. That that wasn't bad for a guy like me. I yeah, no, that. I'm sh- I'm sure you would like it. Yeah, that's, that's a good that, wine. That, that's right. Is that, is that very popular? Is it like is it out there a lot? It's growing in popularity. All the, reta- it's, all it, the retailers have it. It's still rather new, you know. That, but I thought it's hard to get. Am I wrong about that? It's it, it is hard to get. Yeah, that's what I know. thought. You know, the the the, the Herzog late harvest wines are produced, you know, in thousands of cases. Right. Uh, the Tsefona, it's maybe a few hundred cases. Right, but it'll be more. I mean, as people, you know, it's going to get yeah, more popular. Course. It's a small winery. Right. Um, there was something I wanted to mention. Yeah, and, and on this subject, you just mentioned about, you know, certain years being better than others. You know, so again, some of your colleagues like to make fun of me when I talk about this, but <laughs> on the Black Muscat. Yeah. Okay. Which years ago, I, as a novice, as somebody who's not a great wine connoisseur, <laughs> as you know, was able to tell the difference between years. There were certain harvests with the black muscat that were just outstanding. And if it was that year, you had to run and get it. And frankly, if it was not that year, I would I would avoid it for the entire the entire season. Of course. The most recent one, what number would it be? Would it be 2016, 2015? What would be the most uh, recent one on the shelves for, now? For the black muscat, yeah. I would believe 2016. Outstanding. Do you know about this? That the 2016 I, is outstanding. I did not taste the 2016. I'm telling you, unless I am out of my mind, yeah. I am telling you this may be the best one ever of the Black Muscat. Fantastic. And it is just, and it's uh, that. That's where I'm proud of myself. It's the only wine where I can really tell the difference <laughs> between one year and another year. So. Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> it's very important years, you know, with wine vintages. Right. Uh, I mean, we talk we talk about that a lot, but it's it's really really important. Uh, right now, we're actually very excited because we're about to release some uh, very exciting high-end uh, Bordeaux wines like the Malartic, like, like, which we uh, mentioned before. Right. Uh, so we have many uh, wines from the 2015 vintage uh, from Bordeaux coming in, uh, which was one of the better uh, vintages in, uh, in a long time. And uh, it's very exciting for the customer consumer because the, the, the last great vintage for Bordeaux was 2010. Uh, however, there are not many kosher wines uh, from Bordeaux from the, the 2010 vintage, uh, and it's quite the opposite for 2015. There are many, and uh, we are having an event on uh, December the 11th uh, in uh, in Brooklyn in Dumbo, uh, and we'll have all those wines. Uh, well, that event is specifically for for a type of wine, or it's uh, it's specifically for French wine uh. in general. Uh, but the stars of the event will be the new 2015 right. Bordeaux, and it's going to be... Open to the public or not? Open to the public, yes. The 11th of December. Absolutely. Um, Gabe Geller is here. We're talking about kosher wine here at JMM. Can a company survive when when it's five, six, seven years of what people consider not their best 
vintage or or it doesn't or it's still good enough and oh yeah i shouldn't you know, a, you know you know you know there is exceptional right so the there is good and so the wine drinker knows it's good but yeah. just some years are outstanding absolutely absolutely and sometimes you know it, uh, even if it's just you know good or very good and not outstanding you know it's uh it's it's a better bet for most people because right. the, the outstanding years uh tend to be more expensive also understood all right um a note about hanukkah Sure. You know, Hanukkah's <laughs> right around the corner. A lot of, obviously, a lot of dessert wines we already spoke about this morning would fit perfectly again with, with some of the, the donuts, the donuts and the, all the sweets that people like to have, the chocolate coins. Yeah. <laughs> <that> people, <laughs> also, there's this perception, um, certainly at least uh, somewhat accurate, that people like to serve uh, at their parties dairy meals. Uh, on Hanukkah. So again, we and I hope we'll have a chance between now and Hanukkah yeah. to you know to go through some of the. The list of those. Obviously, tomorrow night's meals is usually for those who are observing Thanksgiving is much different. Than yeah, that's that, that's usually flashing. <laughs> you can say that again. Um, but one of the things that shocked us about Hanukkah is that your company is doing a KFWE on Hanukkah down in Miami. Uh, that's that's true. I'm is going that, there. Is that the I'm... first time that it's on Hanukkah itself? Uh, I. I do not know if it's the first time, but I do believe so. And the reason I say it like this, with this type of uh, surprise, is because I know a lot of people in your company would like to clear their calendar and make sure to be home uh, during the first days yeah, of Hanukkah. That is, that, is, that is a big issue for us. It's going to be a great uh, great event to be at and to hang out on, uh, on Hanukkah for the people of Miami. Right, for Florida. And, and people who happen to be, uh, to be traveling to Miami at that time. Uh, but uh, it, it's a bit more challenging for for us for the Man. company uh, because of course most people would like to be home with their families and all that. Uh, so we had to really uh, to really insist and find you know volunteers uh, to go to Miami and help setting up the event. I'm one of those uh, people. Thank God my wife and uh, and our baby are coming with me. Ah, so. Good. Uh, so that's not that that's not such a See, that was my such greatest, a problem. That was my greatest concern was the families on Hanukkah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but uh, why did the event end up there? Like, why do the people you're partnering with in Miami want to do it on Hanukkah itself? When do you think it would be right before? Uh, I would have done it probably at a different time if you know it was up to me. Uh, I do not know why the decision was to uh, was to do it on Hanukkah. Perhaps you know it's it's an event like a that's, Hanukkah party. that's being done. In, you know, in partnership with uh, Witzo right. uh, in Miami. Right. And uh, I believe that uh, Witzo Miami, I thought that uh, doing it on Hanukkah would be actually some uh, some great event for people. Right, a nice uh, Hanukkah event. Yeah. Actually, from their perspective, it's yeah. a great idea. Absolutely. Right. The only guys in convenience are you. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Other than that, it all works out really well. I mean, we, I it's open to the public, right? I mean, people can it's buy a, tickets. Oh, yeah, big time. Because uh, we, were, we were actually considering, you know, should we be down there in Florida? Because we yeah. absolutely love your events, of course. And uh, then we were surprised to find out that it was uh, coinciding with Hanukkah. But everybody down there, everybody down there in Florida, and those who were planning on being there in the middle of December, circle the 13th of December. Circle the 13th of December. It's going to be a great kosher food and wine experience. Uh, down And is it in Miami proper or north of Miami? Or? It's in uh, Aventura. Aventura. Oh, that's really convenient for a lot of people. Turnberry Island Resort. There you go. All right. So that's going to be really nice and fancy. And plus... In addition to the wine, there'll be plenty of food as well, right? Oh, so. yeah. And we, one would have to bet there'll be donuts there that night as well. Uh, <laughs> I, I would, would hope bet. so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would think there will be. Uh, and you can just search KFWE, Coach for Food and Wine Experience, for information about the Miami event, plus, of course, in February, both New York 
and L.A. are going to be prominent on the calendar, and we'll speak about those as we get closer and closer. Gabe Geller is here, Royal Wine. Everyone now has their uh, assignment. If you're heading out to um, to purchase a uh, wonderful bottle of wine for your host tomorrow, if you want to serve something great, or anywhere in between, if you want to, you know, all the recommend all the recommendations we made today sure. are certainly acceptable. Uh, before the late harvest, Chenin Blanc, I remind my listeners the wine that I and after the Black Muscat. So between those two, the wine I was going crazy about was the Orange Muscat, and that one I notice never really changes flavor or. Like, that's a really good, consistent wine. You know what you're getting every time you open up that bottle. It is. Uh, you know, Herzog Wine Cellars in Oxnard, California, that's one of their main features. That's why people love their wine so much is that, uh, you know, across vintages, uh, people really find consistency. So sometimes it's a little bit right. better, uh, but, you know, across vintages, the wines are always uh, dependable and reliable. What's the most, is Bartonura still the most popular Moscato? It is because there are, there by are, far because there are a lot of them now. You know, <laughs> by far the most popular. Am I right? There's now a Carmel one. Uh, there, there are many. And um, Gabriel one, and there, um, there is from, uh, from Carmel and right. Tepperberg. Right. And, oh, Tepperberg uh, has a winery. Yeah, they I do. They, they have actually two: they have a red one and a white wine. Boy. Yeah. But Bartonura continues to fly. Uh, that's the understatement of the year. Unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah. And there are a lot of, and again, nothing against them. They're they're amazing, and they've been phenomenal for us. But I'm, but I'm I'm just letting everyone know that there's an unbelievable variety of them now. I mean, there's so many out there, there. there with with different. There are, actu- there are actually a couple new ones that uh, that we're very excited about, and that are already hits. You know, they they just uh, were just released uh, uh, over the past few weeks. The sparkling rosé. Uh, Moscato for Bart- from Bartonura, great party wine, wow. uh, beautiful packaging also, and uh, the new limited edition Demi Sec. A lot of good stuff out there. Oh, yeah. Well, there you have it. All right, Gabe. Um, anything else you want to add? Anything else to tell us today? Well, no matter what, tomorrow uh, with your uh, Thanksgiving meal, right. have some good wine and have some good time. You know, Drink what you like. Enjoy your meal. Enjoy your wine. Uh, that's the most important. You know, I may give uh, suggestions, uh, advice, and I'm always available to uh, to answer uh, to answer any uh, inquiries, whether by email or to Facebook. Uh, but you know, go with what you like. And for those of you who've been tuned in for the last 20 minutes or so, you know that uh, we are making the following recommendation: Russian River for the meal. And late harvest Chenin Blanc for dessert. That's how we're going. 100%. For Thanksgiving 2017. All right, we will have an opportunity to speak more about Hanukkah as we get closer, I'm sure. And again, obviously, that would be dominated by dessert wines. And uh, and what traditionally pairs with dairy? Is that white, red? Is it, is, is it anything uh, well, when in it a category com- like that? When it comes to Hanukkah, of course, I mean, uh, dessert wines to go right. with the donuts are uh, certainly uh, the, the way to go. But... Uh, Latkes, uh, which are not right. necessarily sweet. I mean, of course, right. you know, sour cream and, uh, and applesauce, that's, uh, that's right. great. Uh, but uh, if you're going to go with some savory latkes, uh, I would definitely recommend sparkling wines. Dry sparkling wines. Uh, they are awesome with anything deep fried and latkes on top of them. Give me one example of a dry sparkling wine. Um, I would say the Rothschild Champagne. Retails at around 
it's not cheap. You know, it's around seventy to eighty dollars a bottle. There are sparkling wines that are at that price. Oh yeah, of course. That's a very fancy champagne. Uh, you know, I was just a few weeks ago. There was the uh, Wine Spectator Wine Experience. Yeah. The Wine Spectator Wine Experience is uh, the most prestigious wine tasting in the world, with the most uh, luxurious, uh, expensive, uh, arguably the very best wines of the world. That uh, happens where? There. That happens here in, in New, New York, York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at the the Marriott uh, next to Times Square. Okay. And uh, Rothschild Champagne was one of the select few wineries that were showing their wines uh, at the event. Of course, they're pouring the, the non-kosher uh, right. version of, uh, uh, of the Rothschild Champagne. And we are very uh, lucky and privileged uh, and honored to, uh, to have the kosher uh, Rothschild Champagne. Very cool. I'll tell you. And again, the retailers have it. Absolutely, they do. And if they don't, ask it's a big it. mistake. Yeah, they should. And you should ask for it. <laughs> Gabe Geller, happy Thanksgiving. Hope to see you again before Hanukkah. If not, then Hanukkah Sameach. You got it. Thank you, Nachum. Happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate that. And email address, if anybody has any questions, would be? Sure. So it's uh, gegeller, G-G-E-L-L-E-R, at kedem.com. Tadaraba. My pleasure. Thank you. Best regards to the entire Royal Kedem family. More coming up. It is a Wednesday Arab Thanksgiving at JM in the AM.
ידי דוד, משיח צדקך. J.M. and the A.M. The great Sandy Shmueli. Brand new from his album Ani Shar. Before that, Michal Przansky, brand new from uh, Shooting from the Moon. I um, want to thank everybody for tuning in. We're back tomorrow between 6 and 9. Make sure to be tuned in. That's right. Thanksgiving Day, we will be here, right here at JMN. Want to take this opportunity to wish a very happy birthday to Yonina Siegel. Yonina Siegel on this 22nd of November celebrating a birthday. Happy birthday, Yom Hulet Samer to you, Yonina, from all of us here at JM and the AM, and from the entire Siegel family and all those who love you from around the world. Yonina Siegel celebrating a birthday today, a milestone birthday today, in fact. We wish her very best from all of us here at JM and the AM. I uh, want to wish a mazel tov to uh, Shifra Cohen and uh, Marshall Grabois. They get married tonight, Shifi and Marshall, looking forward to the big celebration. To, um, to the extended uh, Cohen, Sinensky, and Grabois families, we say Mazal Tov. To listener Malki, an extra special Mazal Tov. How do you like that? Yeah, Malki gets an extra special Mazal Tov. <laughs> From all of us here at JM in the AM. That's right. She gets an extra special Mazal Tov. Um... Keep in mind, you could sponsor a part or all of a JMN broadcast by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. All the details are there. Also, if you're using the JM and the AM app, that app will become obsolete very soon. You want to make sure you have the Nahum Siegel Network app, the Nahum Siegel Network app. That should be the one that you use to tune into us every single day. Bite Size with Yoni Pollock is coming up next. He features an interview that Joanna Shepson did with Moshe Braun, a sofer in Israel, and an interview that Tova, Tova Knecht has done with Miriam Gottlieb, a donor relations manager for the Hezri Yeshiva in Steyrot. Those are both coming up as part of Bite Size with Yoni Pollock. Avrami hosts an Erev Thanksgiving live lunch starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time here at the Nachum Siegel Network. My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world. The web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a uh, great uh, Wednesday morning edition here at JM in the AM. Tomorrow, Thanksgiving, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Make sure to join us. Bite Size is next with Yoni Pollock and then Avrami's live lunch starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Big thank you to Gabe Geller. Thank you to Jonathan Greenblack. Thank you to Brina Emerson. Thanks to all of our guests on this Wednesday morning broadcast. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.